Ultimate Talk is Jericho's the pot of thunder and rock and roll and home of the patented, highly anticipated Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. I hope everybody's doing well there. Uh, listen, you know why Bob Marley collects mason jars? Yeah, because he's jamming. Jamming. That could only come from the mind of Duff McKagan. I actually love that one. Or maybe Axel gave it to him. Who knows? You never know uh, what's going on at the Guns N' Roses uh, Bad Joke Club. But Duff makes us laugh today, every single Friday as well. Duff and GNR getting ready to head on the road again to South America on September 1st. And then they're hitting Mexico, Asia, Australia, New Zealand, all before the end of the year. And Fozzie going back on the road, too. We're hitting United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales, England, all before the end of the year as well. Save the World Tour fires up again September 8th in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, tour in the world, FozzyRock.com for all the dates and ticket information, along with the details on our legendary VIP meet and greets. We're also headed back to Europe in November. Like I said, uh, we're going all across the country, all across the UK, Birmingham, Nottingham, Dublin, Belfast, Swansea, Bournemouth, Bristol, Glasgow, London, uh, Brisbane, uh, Australia, Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide, Auckland, New Zealand. We are going everywhere. Toronto, Montreal, FozzyRock.com for all ticket information and VIP details. Come rock with us. All right. Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer, frequent guest here on Talk is Jericho, returns to talk about the circumstances surrounding Vince McMahon's surprise and sudden retirement from the WWE. He shares what he knows about the allegations against Vince, how those were leaked to the press, and what may have forced Vince to leave after Vince said he wasn't going anywhere. We talk about Stephanie McMahon and Triple H leading the company, and how Nick Khan and Stephanie, uh, how they might handle the, the co-CEO situation, since there's three of them, Stephanie, Triple H, and Nick Khan are leading the company we discussed WWE's potential creative and culture changes with stephanie and hunter at the helm how much of a hand vince will have in creative decisions from the sidelines what kind of impact this will have on AEW and the rest of the wrestling industry in general and what the future may hold for WWE and for vince including a possible sale so here we go dave Meltzer to talk all about the retirement of vince mcmahon right here on talk is jericho So the day has finally come that I would say that I never saw coming, and I probably David would agree with me on this. Of course, Vince McMahon retired, air quotes from the WWE, and basically persona non grata in the company uh, very, very quickly. Are you still as surprised as I am, Dave, that this has even happened? I mean, the whole last, whatever it's been, month, six weeks, has been, it's blown my mind because... I mean, at some point he was going to be gone, but I, you know, it was like, it was always going to be this monumental, incredible seismic shift in the world when it happened. And, you know, you never expect it to happen like right now. And then when the story started breaking, I started thinking, you know, it, it's really possible. And I know I have people who are friends of mine in, you know, Silicon Valley corporate, and they were telling me he's going to be gone. And I was kind of like, well, he may be, but this is wrestling and it's different. They go, this is a, you know, publicly traded company and you can't do that stuff with employees. And, um, you know, the second story, when the second Wall Street Journal story, you know, happened, I read that and I thought, you know, he's going to be out. But then like a week later, it's kind of like, well, he'll never leave. <laughs> and and right. then, then the day that it came out that he was resigning, it was like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? It's like 40 years of my life has been 
chronicling Vince McMahon among many things, but more Vince McMahon than anything else. And it's like, you know, for both of us, because you've worked there for, you know, starting in what, 99, 99, almost 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you were following it since you were a child, Vince McMahon's wrestling. So it's like this huge part of both of our lives is like over all of a sudden, you know, and it was really, it was weird to deal with. It's interesting. I spoke to Alex Van Halen a couple of months ago and he was saying when, when Eddie Van Halen passed away and it's like this whole 40 year career gone in, in one last breath, you know, and obviously Vince is still with us, but it reminded me of the same thing. 40 years plus of wrestling and Vince McMahon synonymous and then done that quick, boom, gone. Yeah. And it really did surprise me because once again, maybe because, you know, you and I live within kind of the wrestling bubble where it's like, <laughs> it's just wrestling. Nobody takes in the corporate world takes wrestling seriously. And, you know, he beat the government and he's been through this scandal. He's been through that scandal. And this one will just go away. I was really thinking for a while that it was just going to be kind of a flash in the pan. And then it would, Vince would just make it disappear like he did everything else. Yeah. And, and it's funny because it's like, it's like you know why he left in the big picture because of the, because of everything, but there's still unanswered questions of how did it actually go down? Like, did did the rest of the company go to him and go, "You just have to leave," or right. did he come to this conclusion that I have to leave because the walls are closing in on me? Because I mean, like on July the second, you know, in Vegas when they had the the pay per view, Money in the Bank, he told all the town he's staying. You know, right. And three weeks later, you know, they they find out he's gone. And, and you know, the people who I talked to and probably you talked to, they were shocked because, I mean, their whole lives have been determined by Vince McMahon, every one of them, since this, the day they started in the company. And now it's like, what's going to happen? And now, you know, we kind of know who's in charge of what now. You know, a couple it took a couple of days to figure all that out. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, but we know, but it's still, it's like, it's a different world and a different culture. And um yeah, it's just it's it's just so weird that you no know, Vince McMahon in wrestling. Well, and like you said too, he told the talent, and obviously he was given kind of a proverbial, you know, maybe not a middle finger, but a shoulder shrug when he came out on TV, right? You know, twice, and not even to do anything substantial, just to so like, say like, "Hey guys, here I am." Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first, especially the first time when it was the day that the story first broke, and he came out, and it was pretty clear, you know, the whole thing of like, "Hey, I'm going no," you know what I mean? I'm going right. nowhere. Yeah. I mean, and and then he actually left. (laughs) Yeah. So let's kind of go back a bit and kind of talk about how this story all started brewing. And we could talk about some of Vince's, some of his other big scandals in the past, but let's talk about this one specifically. When did we start hearing about it? And and were there kind of rumors swirling that something's coming up or was it just a report that came out of the blue a couple months ago? The first report in the Wall Street Journal to me came out of the blue. I had no idea anything was up. And um, it's funny because I got this text and it was from the Wall Street Journal on my phone. And, you know, it's like I get texts from them when it comes to news all the time. You know, so I figure out, right. you know, like something's in news. And I looked and it says WWE scandal Vince McMahon. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. This is like my real world all of a sudden. <laughs> Not the, yeah. And and so then I, I read the article and it was just like, wow. And from there, you know, it all started unraveling. Um, the second article I thought was a lot more damaging than the first, but the first article was the one that got all the publicity. You know, it was on CNN and Bloomberg and all the business people were covering it. Um, every, you know, every media source was covering it. The second one, which was the the more detailed one, it got some coverage, but it was almost like nothing. And it, like it didn't like the first night, the ratings were way up. Vince came out the second time Vince didn't come out. The ratings were not that much up. Not that many people were talking about it, yet it was 
the second story, or perhaps fear of the third story, is is what when that comes out is what got him. And what exactly was the first story that we heard? The first story was that he had hired a paralegal who then um, worked as a paralegal and then was moved to a director right underneath John Laurinaitis in talent relations, and that he had he he was going to pay her because it was an ongoing deal, a total of three million dollars when she left the company, which would have been early this year basically hush money to cover up an affair and apparently an affair with John Laurinaitis as well. And John Laurinaitis is also gone. Although right. no, no announcement has been made, but you know, triple H Paul Levesque has taken over his head of talent relations, which was John's job. So, so he was gone too with less fanfare. At first I thought he was going to be the scapegoat. Like, Hey, we got rid of Laurinaitis, you know, and Vince is, is cause, cause then at that point in time too, didn't Vince step down as the CEO now, was that a figurative move or was it ever made public that he was stepping down? Yeah, no, no, no. They announced that he was stepping down and um, Stephanie was taking over as interim CEO and Laurinaitis was stepping down as talent relations, but it was described as temporary while the board of directors does this investigation and they had hired a real firm, you know, a very real firm to investigate him and the investigation still going on. And maybe, you know, perhaps they found stuff out. At that point, I was thinking, like, now, how does this go down? Because you've got a board of directors with Vince, who's the number one, you know, the the leading shareholder, Stephanie, his daughter, and Paul, his son-in-law, and Nikon also. And then you have eight, at the time, uh, non-wrestling uh, people, you know, they're right. major businessmen from other places. So is there going to be like, okay, so the, the investigation is going to go on for however long, and then there's going to be results. And then what happens? Do they vote? And then how did they vote against Vince when Vince is the major right. shareholder? So it was kind of like, is there going to be some big mutiny? And one of the guys on the board ended up quitting, you know, right before the second article came out, a guy from ESPN mm-hmm. and Connor Shell. So, you know, that was kind of like what what kind of happened with the, with the first article was that it was uh, and she, she had signed an NDA. One of her friends, for whatever reason, she had an NDA. Somehow one of her friends found out and her friend sent a message to every member of the board. So this would have been in late March and saying, this is what happened. And, and, um, and was, was very, you know, very negative about Jerry McDivitt, you know, like pressuring her and things like that. And, um, you know, she couldn't come out, but somebody did and they investigated and found out that it was real. And in the investigation, they found out it was not the first NDA that there had been several others over the years. Now, let me ask you this. Obviously, from a moral standpoint, it's completely wrong, and we're not discussing that. But from a specific legal standpoint, uh, why was that deemed like illegal or or something that could bring the company down? If Vince decides to pay employee A 100 grand, 200 grand, 300 grand, isn't it his decision as the boss to pay anybody whatever he wants? Um, I guess one of the things in her case was that she was hired for 100 grand, and then during a time period when they were cutting people left and right, when the pandemic started, oh. Vince went to give her a raise from 100 to 300, which is, you know, for an office employee, that's a gigantic raise and it kind right. of w- it waved red flags. And then people kind of talked him down and go like, you can't go from 100 to 300. So they basically compromised and went from 100 to 200. But because that's company money, and he's having allegedly having an affair with this woman and paying company money and all gotcha. that. That's where it became, you know, kind of, you know, uh, an SEC situation. Yeah. 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 In today's corporate world. Yeah. And even though, and once again, we have to delineate this because WWE is publicly traded and because it is a corporation and a company, even though Vince owns it, 
it's not his money to do what he wants. It's now company shareholders, stockholders' money as well. Yeah, and gotcha. I mean most of the money. Most of the money is that's how Vince got as rich as he got was by going public and the stock being worth so much money. You know, I mean, he was always, well, you know, he's always well off and never had to worry about money for the rest of his life. I mean, that was the case twenty years ago, but now he's like, you know, worth two billion dollars. Right. And, um, you know, before, I mean, he was worth, you know, he was worth hundreds of millions, but. Two billion is a you know he's in a different league now, and the and the and the company's in a different league. You know the company sure yeah the, the value of the company is whatever it's over it's it's in the five billion dollar range. See, and that makes sense too, Dave, because that's something like and you I'm not going to speak for Vince nor would I ever try to, but I can see somebody in that position going, it's my money, it's my company, I, I I'm the main guy, I can spend what I want on whoever I want even though it's not right. Well, I mean, like, look, you and I have been through, we, we are not young by the standards of, I don't consider us old at all, but mm-hmm. but some people would, okay? But right. we have been around for a long, long time and we have seen uh, standards and morals and things change. I mean, there are so many things, you know, I mean, it's, and, and you kind of got to jar yourself into this world because like I always joke around with people and, you know, when, whenever these things come up and I go like, you have no idea the business that I grew up in in the seventies, right? And the stuff that I, the stuff that I've seen, and the stuff that you've seen, and all of this stuff that people are talking about, and we're going like, I mean, I'm going like, I mean, you know, but today it's it's a different world, and we have to go by today's standards. So you kind of like get jarred into, hey, it doesn't matter what you saw fifty years ago in the right. San Francisco territory backstage, you know, and how flagrant all these things were. It's totally irrelevant because today yes. none of you could do none of that stuff today. No, I remember sitting in the Winnipeg arena as, you know, fans chanting a, a, a derogatory term towards, you know, LGBTQ people that begins with an F and it's two syllables, chanting it in the arena and the heel going like, shut up, I am not. And and, and like, be, be, and, and, and encouraging little it. kids just chat. Nah, 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 and you'd be like, oh my gosh, can you imagine that? In, in context, it's ridiculous. You know, so it's funny. I was at a, I was at a PWG show. Um, Hey, you know, I think it was before the pandemic and, you know, one fan, it was one fan. And I think, um, it might've been jungle boy and Trent Beretta. Um, and there might've been other guys might've been a tag match, but there was one fan in the whole audience who said something like that. And my first reaction is I've seen, I've heard this a million times. I heard it at every WWE show during the Adrian Adonis period. And, you right, know, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just part of wrestling, but everyone in the audience got mad and the wrestlers just looked at him and they were furious. And I just was, it was, it was just like, wow, this is totally unacceptable today and, and should be. And absolutely sure. But it's, but it's like, it, it brings you back to, this was commonplace in another era of wrestling, but that era is long gone. So to compare that, what you're saying, what Vince was doing about, you know, hush money to whoever he's having an affair with, it was more of a commonplace thing, probably not just in wrestling as well, but you're talking about, you know, in Hollywood and in rock and roll. I'm sure that happened a lot. Yeah, sure. Entertainment in a whole. Yeah. I mean, I always figured that the managers of the rock stars, you know, I mean, I didn't know this. I wasn't that close in rock music when I was a kid, but just from being around wrestling, I figured this happens in rock music and it happens in, you know, NFL teams and, and everywhere where stuff happens and someone, you know, complains and they pay money for it to go away. Sure. and, And, Certainly that happened in wrestling. I mean, I, every now and then there would be something that would make, you know, when something would make the papers on, on somebody or somebody would get in trouble. I remember the thing that I would always hear from the talent. This is now we're talking the, the early eighties 
it was like, well, shouldn't the promoter have just paid this to go away? And right. I've been, and like I, you know, I, you know, to me, I was like, okay, that's a little weird. But then it, I realized that it's it's just inherent. The promoter protects his main stars, and that's why the you know the main stars did it because they were protected for the most part. I mean, you've you've heard all the stories of, you know, just the stuff of like the understanding that like in the territories you could drive 110 miles an hour, and if the cops pull you over and you're oh. a wrestler on TV, you know, you know those stories. It was it was in, it was inherent. Hey, here's two tickets to to the show. Thank you. Give me an autograph for my kids. And, you know, you you basically had carte blanche to do not anything, but but anything minor. You're, they're they're going to just look the other way because you're a star. So let's talk quickly. So as we start getting towards the second report, what was the status at this time of, of Stephanie McMahon and Triple H? Because when Vince steps down, Stephanie steps in as the new CEO, but it wasn't just a month earlier or so when she was gone from the company. Yeah, May. So that was another shocker was in May when she, you know, took a leave of absence. And, you know, when it, it it's funny when it came out, um, you know, there it, it, almost nobody knew about that, that was coming, but there were people who did know. Right. And there was a reason. And I don't know the reason. Nobody would tell me. I mean, they would just say, there's a reason. You know, I kind of like that encouragement to dig, but like three people in the world know and, you know. All three of them aren't going to tell me, but there was a reason right. that she left. And then, um, you know, they filled her vacancy. You know, they filled her spot. It wasn't like it was she was going to go for, you know, a couple of months. I mean, they hired someone from Manchester United to head her division. And so she's gone. And then when he steps down as CEO, she's the new interim CEO. So I hear that and I go, OK, he's stepping down figuratively she's in the spot for a corporate reason and he's still head of creative. So I figured it's like, it's a cosmetic thing. I didn't think it was anything serious, but it was interesting that she left, you know, which was supposed to be for a long time. And I mean, I think the word was she would come back at some point, but no time soon. And now all of a sudden she's essentially in the the, the highest position in the company. And now a couple of weeks later, you know, her and, and her husband, Paul Hunter are, basically running the entire wrestling into the company. Which is interesting too, because when she left, there was almost kind of some derogatory statements made towards almost a little bit of a burial. Yeah. I mean, and that one really surprised me. And I had actually heard this from other reporters. And then it came out in Business Insider, the Business Insider um, website, uh, news, newspaper, whatever, um, where they basically said she wasn't good at her job. Hmm. And that Vince was the one who made the decision to let her go, Jeez. you know, not she was leaving. And I knew that to be false. Like I was telling people, I go, I know this to be false. I know she left on her own. Why are they burying her? I couldn't figure it out. And people were, you know, everybody's speculating why you would do that. And then here she is. It's like one of those things where, I don't know. I mean, I just remember like certain people would be gone. You've been through this. People that that you don't like, let's say, are gone from power and you're celebrating. And it's like, you know, you're, I'm never going to have to deal with them again. And then like eight years later, all of a sudden, they're back in that position. You right. know what I mean, it's like, wait a minute. And and maybe you've even been, you know, maybe you haven't, but I know people who have, you know, when they're gone, just buried them and buried them and buried them very publicly. Then all of a sudden they're your boss. And then it's like, man. Oh yeah. Like, you never, you never know who's going to come back. You know I mean? It's like people who you think are, are, you know, long gone from wrestling. That's why you never talk bad about your buddies when they break up with their girlfriend or their wives. <laughs> if they come back, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it's interesting too because at this point in time Triple H was gone because he suffered the the heart attack. 
Shane was let go six months prior. So at this quick point in time, there was no other McMahons around except for Vince. Well, Paul was back when Stephanie left. Gotcha. So he had actually just started working, but but Shane was gone. But he was not, um, I mean, he was doing like NIL deals and, and scouting and things like that, where it's like he's got a job and he's important and he's, you know, taking pictures with people and everything. But it wasn't as if, you know, he was running creative for NXT for since the start of NXT and he was always involved in the creative situation and that had kind of stopped. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, it's another thing of like a guy who was out of creative and out of talent relations and now he's running both again. And, um, you know, and it's probably a good thing. I mean, everyone's, you know, for the most part, I mean, there's uncertainty there, of course, but a lot of people are just excited. It's a new, you know, right. Vince had been running it for so long that it was probably time in some ways for somebody new to just come in with new ideas. So let's move on to the second report now, because the first one we mentioned earlier, it comes out, uh, Vince steps down, you know, figuratively, but he's still on TV, tells everyone he's not going anywhere. What happened in that second report to, to make things where he was not as uh, flippant about it anymore? So they, they had four allegations and a total of 12 million in payments, including wow. a $7.5 million payment to a female wrestler, which was interesting because the, the, the basic story of her is that she was in the company and um, the claim was that Vince coerced her into oral sex mm-hmm. and... Then when she broke up, whatever it was, she was demoted. And then when her contract expired, she was let go. So she was never fired. Mm. And this was like 2005, 2006 when this is going on. And there's people who could sleuth and look at the people who were fired and kind of come down with, um, you know, there's, you know, maybe yeah. one person or a couple people that fit that bill. And then in 2018, the same person got the settlement. So she was quiet for a dozen years, didn't say anything. And then she got a settlement, but not just a settlement, like 7.5 million. And there were a couple of other million dollar settlements. There was a, a million dollar settlement for an NDA on another woman having to do with John Laurinaitis. So, um, you know, that was the one where John was, was sealed. If he wasn't sealed the first time, like I knew, like John Laurinaitis is not a guy who's going to have two allegations against him publicly and, and be saved. Right. Vince McMahon, on the other hand, you know, who the all bets are off, who knows? But um, but the second one, um, because there were so many and it would total 12 million, and the fact that the company didn't know and didn't uh list it, you know, as far as they're a publicly traded company, that was the SEC violations, and that's another thing. Like the SEC is doing an investigation, there's a federal probe, wow, and all these things are going on on Vince. And so because of those things, it looks like that's why he had to step down. I mean, certainly temporarily, um, but it looks like it's, I mean, just because of everything, I think it's it's got to be permanent. But the question is, he's still the number one stockholder. He is off. He did also leave the uh, board of directors, which I think he had to. So he's got no title in the company. He's gone from the company he created. And, um, you know, Stephanie did the thing on television, basically saying he's retired and thank you, Vince. And and that's it. They never mention his name again. There's little hints here and there where they kind of say right. things are new. But but yeah, his name hasn't been mentioned since the Stephanie thing. So going back to, and once again, you, you can sleuth if you want and figure who it might be or what the candidates are, but I don't want to talk about that. What I want to talk about is why would the settlement be so big? Like you said, seven and a half million dollars. 
gigantic. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah, but it might be because that's the one that really could have brought him down in 2018. Mm. In 2018, you know, you're, you know, Vince is way invincible. And then all of a sudden somebody comes up with, you know, whether true or not, or she perceives it this way. And, you know, people can perceive things different and go like, you know, you coerced me into sex and then you let me go. And if I go public, it's kind of like that one would be a face. And it would be someone who people would know from television right. said, you know, and, you know, most likely the woman's probably not that this matters, but, um, you know, that diva era. So right. it's someone who, you know, you look at it and, and people will go, oh, my God, you know, it's like, you know, she's hot. Right. Right. right? right, so, right, right. So, so that kind of looks bad, you know, not to mention Vince being married, although I don't think. You know, it's funny because I don't think that the fact Vince was married has ever played in, in, in any of this because people completely accept that part. And that's the funny part, too. And just to clarify what you're saying, the diva era that was diva search where we're finding lingerie models and Playboy models and bringing them into wrestling. So the, by design, they were there to to be there because they were because they were gorgeous women. But but yeah, yeah, I don't think that 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 made the difference as much as just a face coming out and saying this and then the public kind of like. You know, I mean, I guess the public is going to believe what they want to believe. But something else that that's really interesting to me, like you said, Vince in, in 18 being invincible and now leaving so quickly, it really is kind of, you think, maybe because the whole Me Too era happened that that made it even worse for him? Absolutely. And also, you know, look at, I mean, much bigger fish than Vince have been, you know, have had to leave companies. Because when the thing first, when the second story came, that's when people were going to me and I was even going like, you know, I mean, there are people, you know, like Vince is so powerful in wrestling, but in the real world, there were people a lot more powerful than him that are gone from you know, their, their companies. And I mean, the one that like surprised me in a sense, and he had to go, but I mean, I remember Bill O'Reilly on Fox news and he was the king of cable news. Right. This was like his, this is a guy who's one man ratings juggernaut. And I thought like, and you know how much money there is when it comes to that type of, you know, the, the number one position on cable television. And I just thought there's got to be so much money to back this guy. And he was gone and he's never come back. And he was, you know, so that's when it really hit me that like, if this stuff comes out, you know, no matter how big you are, Avi Weinstein or whoever, you know, it's like, um, you know, if it's public, uh, you know, you, no, no matter what your power is, you're, you're vulnerable to it as you should be. I mean, if you, if you use your power on women, um, in this day and age, I mean, you know, it happened in the past and all that, but that's, there's so many horrible things that happened in this world in the past. And it's a good thing that those things are no longer acceptable. Sure. I mean, it's a, it's a sign of progress. And you're mentioning now, cause something I thought was very interesting that you pointed out when Vince finally sent out this random tweet um, that, you know, at 77, it's time for me to retire. Uh, it was after five o'clock on a Friday, which means that the stock market four, closed four o'clock, five minutes earlier, five minutes early. Right. It just closed. And, and they, so, so the timing of that was perfect. You know, they, they wanted it on a Friday so that the market wouldn't, they thought it would, would, you know, if Vince was gone, that maybe it would crash because when George Barrios and Michelle Wilson both got fired by Vince, the stock went way, way down. And Vince is obviously far more powerful and, and, you know, far more influential. But the, the funny part is the opposite happened because all of a sudden everybody was going like with Vince gone, they can sell this company. Now, you know, Vince might have held up a sale. And um, so the stock's going to be worth more because now people know that they can buy the company. 
So it hasn't hurt the stock. You know, I mean, that was the first thing I thought is, okay, now Vince being gone, now the stock's really going to be in trouble. Right. And, and then it went way up and people are going like, hey, you know, and it actually, the the stuff about the sale had actually kind of started brewing in Wall Street before Vince was gone. You started hearing rumblings that people just expected, like it was more likely to happen. And then as soon as Vince sold, it's like, okay, now there's all these stories going out of who's best to buy the company. And, you know, the sale's been talked about since 2016, For sure. but, um, you know, now it's like, you know, it's, it's closer to reality. And I think the stock market reflected that. Okay. Listen, we, we know Vince and I guarantee he had never once ever even said the word retire. So for him to, you know, to, to leave under the auspices of retiring, it's just not in that guy's DNA. What happened that week, that, that day that made him do that so quickly is there something else coming out i don't know of anything i mean there's people who are working on stories that i'm aware of perhaps you know the board got something in the investigation or perhaps it was just that second story where uh, but i mean you know he was still in creative for a couple of weeks after that second story and that one didn't right. seem to hurt that much but obviously there was something huge and i'm sure it was not a voluntary decision but it was one of those things where you are now in a position where you're going to hurt the company. And I, I do believe that if Vince McMahon thought that he was going to hurt the company by staying, that he would leave. I think that's the one thing he would do. Um, he's not going to take his legacy down. I mean, his the WWE is his life legacy. It's going to be there long after he's gone. And I don't think he wants to be the, the one to take it down. I think he wants it to live forever. But, you know, like that one question that you're asking is still the big one unanswered question. Who said what to Vince? Right. Who said you got to go, Vince? You really got to go. And I don't know who that is. And I don't know what the thing was, whether it was the, you know, the, the $7.5 million settlement or whether it's something new or just the idea that these stories are going to keep coming and keep coming and you're going to have to leave anyway. So this may be the time to leave. Was it, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. I think you had a great point of, because there was there was some times where I would see some of the booking decisions that Vince was doing over the last couple of years and going, is he trying to like be a Dr. Frankenstein? And, you know, this is my creation. If, if I can't, you know, own it, I'm going to kill it. But that's not Vince would never do that either. You know, no, no, no. no. Oh, look, you know, we always watch the shows and there's things that I look at and go, oh, God, you know, I mean, what's nobody's 100 percent. Yeah, what's he doing? But, you know, I mean, the one thing is, is like, you know, they they were losing popularity. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, AEW was able to, right. to get where you got so quick. But in the last year, um, and especially not even, I wouldn't even say the last year, the last few months, but even before the Vince scandal. I mean, the Vince scandal definitely helped the ratings. And I don't know if it helped live attendance, but but live attendance is up and ratings are up in WWE and things are hotter, you know, I mean, this last, it's really been the last couple of months, right? They, they had good luck coming off the pandemic, but that's with John Cena everywhere. And then when John Cena left, it went to, you know, I mean, normal levels, which are good, but it really shot up in the last, you know, before this. So it's like, I've been noticing, okay, there's something that's happening there. That's a positive. They are growing, which they haven't really grown in popularity in a long time. And was the official explanation that Vince retired or was it that he resigned? Like what's the rest of the behind the scenes at? Okay. So the, the corporate thing filed with the SEC is that he resigned. 
the company says resigned, retired. It's all the same thing. I don't know if it is, but that's how it was explained to me. Is like I asked, like, what's the difference? And it's the same. It's the same thing. But the official word is resigned. Retired was the word he used in his, in Twitter, and that Stephanie used on television. So how, I mean, and once again, because we're in wrestling, it's maybe harder for us to let it go, uh, whether, whereas in the real world, it might be like, dude, this is it. So is, is there any chance, possibility that Vince could still have some sort of influence, but from afar? Of course. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's Stephanie and it's Paul, you know right. I mean? It's people he's going to deal with all the time and he's going to say, hey, you should do this, you should do that. And maybe, you know, somebody said it's going to be really interesting when he goes to Stephanie and go, hey, you should do this. And what if she says no? But will she say no? I mean, it's like her dad's your hero. Yeah. You know? And her dad her dad created that whole world. And if he has advice, you're going to listen. You know, you've talked to him when you're not an employee and he'll say something. And, you'll, you know, because of your respect for Vince, you know, having been in the business for so long and been so successful, you're not going to like, you may not agree with it, but you don't dismiss it out of hand and you do listen to it. And maybe you just go, hey, you know, he's, probably right. And maybe I can do this or something. So I I'm sure that he's going to watch the TV. I, I don't believe for a second, he's not watching the TV and I'm sure he's going to pass stuff along. And so I do, yes, I do believe he will still have influence in that way. Now, let me ask you this. Here's an interesting question. So he still is basically or not basically he's the owner of the company essentially, right? Well, he's the largest shareholder in the company. And he still has the most, the voting power, you know, on the board of directors, but he's no longer on it. I don't know that he can exercise it. And that's maybe one of the reasons people think that there will be a sale because, you know, I think that there might be pressure on him to divest, but you can't like sell 38% of the stock in one day of the whole company. Right. Right. So, cause then, then, then it, it becomes different. So that's why I think people think he's got 38% of the stock and he's going to have to maybe divest himself. So therefore they're going to be looking for whether it's NBC universal or, you know, Disney or whatever, you know, Fox, you know, somebody to buy Vince's stock and then he will be out of the company. And that's probably where the sales, you know, where the sale rumors really come from. But once again, just to, just to clarify, if he's the, the, the largest shareholder, he's still the owner of the company. Um, the people own the company, but he's the, I mean, I guess the, he's the, you know, but, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. My, my point yeah. is that if you and I work for our boss, if we're working at a, you know, a hamburger store and the boss says, I want you to start making the hamburgers, you know, with chili sauce. And we're like, well, that's, that's not going to work. Hey, he's the boss. You have to do it. So even though Vince isn't the boss on site, could he still say it's my company and do it or. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess what's the balance? But he doesn't of- have. The, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. The power, power to hire and fire. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so he can't do that. But I mean, yes, there's going to be influence in some way, shape, or form. Plus, you know, what if there's like a problem? This is an interesting one. What if there's a problem with somebody? I don't know if it's an arena or a television station or someone that Vince has a longstanding relationship with. I don't know that he can directly call the person to right. to, to settle it, but. In, you know, in some way, shape or form, there's going to be like contacts that he have and things like that. So um, it's like he's gone, but I don't buy 100 percent divested, no influence whatsoever, because look at who they put in charge. They didn't put I mean, Nick Khan's in charge of the business end, but the wrestling end, which is, you know, Vince's thing, that's Vince's, you know, son-in-law and and protege. 
and his daughter and protege. So it's like, it's people who learn Vince's system and people who, if they have a problem and they're stressed out and they don't know how to answer, who's the person that they're going to call? I got a problem with talent. This guy is just right. driving me crazy. What, what should I do? Or, or, you know, this, you know, I'm trying to, you know, whatever, close some deal or something like that. What do I do? You go to the person who taught you you were a sensei you know so right his his fingerprints in some form are are going to be on this product you know in, in a form you know for as long as he's mentally capable i believe or it's totally sold it's one of those things where like you know anytime vince calls you you're always a little bit like uh-oh like there's a little bit of a of an aura about it so it's almost one of those things where, like hey we're having a problem with you know brock he's losing his mind or he won't do what we want him or we want him to do or whoever it may be if vince actually goes i'll give him a call even though he's not the boss, he still has that that presence. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I just as, as a weird thing that I recall in UFC. Okay. So Lorenzo Fertitta was the, the boss and he actually sold all of the stock. He was out. But at least the first year or two, every now and then there'd be something where there'd be a problem with talent, you know, when the fighters or something. And Lorenzo would call because of the prior relationship and, you know, just right. keeping his finger in, in his own way. I mean, you know, even though, I mean, I guess he owned like, uh, I think that he did maybe retain like a couple of points in the company. Um, so maybe that was it too. Um, but he didn't have the number of points Vince has, you know, it wasn't like that. Let's talk a little bit about the co-CEOs, you know, because it's something that I dealt with in WCW where we didn't really know who the boss was. It was Eric, but it was Hogan and it was Sullivan and it was Hall and Nash and whatever. And even in AEW, the early days when we had the, the the concept of the EVPs, until Tony finally said, "Okay, I'm the boss," there was still a lot of like, "Well, I think it should be this. I should think it should be that." In WWE, with Nick Khan and Stephanie kind of the co CEO, and obviously Hunter has a lot of leeway as well. Who's the boss that the talent would go to that has the final say? I mean, I think it's Stephanie because Stephanie is the wrestling end, and Nick is the business end. And um, I have been told from people who know you know, Silicon Valley stuff much better than me. I live in the right, in the place where these giant companies are. Right. They've told me co-CEOs don't work, but I brought that up to WWE and they said that there's no other option because Nick doesn't know the, I mean, Nick is a wrestling fan. It's not like yeah. he doesn't know wrestling, but he, he's not a guy who's going to be doing creative wrestling. And Stephanie is not the big wheeler dealer deal maker that Nick is. So you need that business person, Nick, and you need that wrestling person, Stephanie and, and Paul. So it was kind of like told to me, like, this is this is the the thing that it has to be. But, it, you know, like, again, what if there is a showdown in some form where Nick is adamant about one thing and Stephanie is adamant about the other? I mean, do they flip a coin? Do right. they, um, you know, draw straws? Because they're they're supposed to be equal power. And that that becomes and that becomes like a weird situation. Sure. Talk a little bit about the influence of Nick Khan and just kind of how, you know, where did he come from? And he's just risen the ranks of power to the point, like you said, he's basically running that whole side of the WWE. I never even heard of this guy up until about a year, a year ago or two years ago, whatever it was. So Nick, Khan, I was aware of Nick Khan and, and knew, knew of him. He was the guy who negotiated the big television deal. That's basically put the company in this financial level. Um, but he was a very famous a sports agent, you know, and well-known deal maker. He was one of those guys behind the scenes that in the sports world, like all the sports reporters, you know, they knew him, but they never mentioned him. And he was one of those guys where he don't ever mention my name, but you know, he talked to people. So the day he was, 
hired, it was like, oh, wow, you know, Nick Khan. I was stunned because, I mean, he was uh, an agent. And you don't really think a guy goes from being, you know, even though he was a well-known sports agent and he negotiated the Fox deal and the, the NBC Universal deal. But the Fox deal to me was, you know, the big one in a sense, you know, negotiating with Fox to get them back on network television was a real coup. And then um, I guess that he had, you know, met everyone in in doing that deal. And they somehow, I don't know if he suggested he wanted a career change or they brought up, you know, I mean, he was hired as president. It wasn't like he was hired, right. hey, you know, let's come in as a vice president of, you know, deal making or whatever. I mean, all of a sudden, one day, Nick Khan is the new president with this, I believe, $30 million, $35 million, you know, five-year deal. And, you know, I mean, which, which was, I'm sure, far, far more than he was making what he was doing, although I'm sure he was making great money what he was doing. Yep. And it was kind of like, wow, wow, you know, Nick Khan. I mean, I'm I'm aware of Nick Khan, you know, I mean, but but it's like just one of those names that you kind of know in sports. And it just it was just kind of like, wow, Nick, Nick Khan. Hmm. You know, so but yeah, I mean, I I didn't even know how much of a fan he was or wasn't, you know. I mean, I mean he he did grow up watching wrestling, but he's not like you and I where we were we grew up immersed in it, right? right? He was, you know, a guy, he was like our friends, you know, our friends yeah, who yeah, watched yeah. wrestling with us. You know, I think, you know, he was like that. And then he became a big, big deal in sports. And the thing in sports that that I knew about Nick Khan also is that he's one of those guys who knew everything. And in, in, in when it came to sports deals, like he knew where the SEC rights were going to probably go and how much money these things were fetching. And it was, was great, which I thought was a great thing for WWE because, you know, he... He knew the landscape of the deals, you know, so he knew like, is Netflix going to get involved? Is Amazon going to get involved? What are the people behind the scenes in those places thinking that even the people in WWE, while they would know, they wouldn't know at the level Nick would know because Nick knew everyone in the deal making, in the sports deal making world. I mean, even, you know, just in, in, in when it came to things that I had heard from people, you know, in the sense through him about certain deals in sports that were being talked about or this person would get the rights. I mean, he was pretty good at, at knowing the money value and where things were going until to this day. And when he does the, the conference calls, you know, the quarterly calls, like he'll go in there and go like, you know, he's his mind for sports, uh, sports rights, not necessarily sports and right, yeah, sports, yeah. right. It's like, he's one of the top guys understanding that business. So, I mean, he was a great, signing for WWE at the time when I thought that I was like, wow, I mean, for where the world is going, you know, what, what streaming services, how streaming's going and all that stuff. They hired a guy. I mean, they couldn't have hired a better guy or certainly one of the best guys. So that's where I kind of knew of what I knew of Nikon when he got hired. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Originally. So, so, an, so here's an interesting one. So the agent, the Vince's original agent for deals was Ari Emanuel of Endeavor. Okay. And then what happened was the UFC deal and the um, WWE deals for television were coming due at roughly the same time. And I don't know if it was Nick or somebody else, but somebody went to Vince and said, like, it's kind of a conflict of interest now that Ari Emanuel kind of is the owner, um, you know, of, of the UFC and, and he's negotiating for you and he's negotiating for UFC and it's kind of like, you know, he might not be the right guy to be negotiating for you. And that's where Nick became the guy. They left Endeavor and went with CAA, which was Nick's job. So that whole thing came because 
Endeavor bought UFC. And like at first I thought, like, isn't this the weirdest thing that they're they're both like that you can you can go in there with power, but at the same time, like who is Harry gonna favor the company he owns or the company he just right. licenses? And and they were both look, they were both going for Fox. I mean, like uh, you know, UFC ended up with ESPN and you know, WWE getting Fox was partially because you know, Fox knew that they were, you know, I mean, Fox, I mean, I don't want to say WWE was their backup, but UFC was wanting a lot, a lot of money and they basically could get um, WWE for, I don't know if it was the same money, but, you know, they had an interest in WWE. And, you know, first, I mean, people don't know this, but the original idea was that um, Fox wanted Raw, Hmm. not SmackDown. And what happened was um, USA had the right of first refusal. And for both Raw and SmackDown to match any offer. And the numbers got so high and USA basically felt we cannot lose Raw. We cannot lose that Monday night three hours. So they met the offer for Raw, but they but the numbers got so high. It's like, OK, you know, we can't afford both. So SmackDown went and then they had offers from, um, you know, uh, Fox. But there were also other offers. But I think that the idea of going to Fox was, hey, it's network TV. Even if it's the same number yeah. from somebody else, we don't get the same level of exposure. And then UFC obviously made the deal with ESPN as a sport. It was a better fit for them. You mentioned earlier that uh, stocks went up when Vince uh, was removed because people were thinking that there's a sale was going to be more imminent. Um, Is this something that you still think is going to happen? Uh, And if so, long-term, short-term? And does Vince still have the power to authorize that sale or to tell people to sell? Once again, it's a little confusing as to how much he really can be involved. Well, I mean, he's got 38% right. of stock, but um, the board of directors probably have the power and he's not in the board of directors. Okay, okay, gotcha. But yeah, I mean, he's going to have to be, you know, part of all this. I mean, as far as what's going to happen, I always thought it made sense for, um, you know, NBC Universal to buy the company. They're spending so much in rights fees every year. Yeah. And WWE still owns all the intellectual property and they own the tapes. It's like, if you own the whole company, even though you'd be, paying rights fees you're in a sense paying rights fees to yourself number one and then you would have ownership of all of this property you know you know the library and all the tapes going forward that you can monetize in in other ways as opposed to i mean wwe it'd still be under wwe but it's not like i'm spending um 265 million a year for raw and i can't even put it on reruns they have all the rights to the reruns yeah. putting it on secondary or or videotapes you know obviously that's out of the question but future streaming or international deals you know vince or wwe still owns everything about that you're just renting it you're you're licensing it for the united states market you know if you buy the company not only do you get the rights to continue the television show but you also can sell that show internationally and and make that television money you know yourself yeah and, and when I, when lucas sold uh, star wars to Disney, I was like, okay, it, I, it's only a matter of time before Vince sells the Disney too. And like, obviously take all the scandals stuff, you know, like a Hulk Hogan character walking around Disneyland or Stone Cold Steve Austin or all those intellectual properties that are owned by the WWE. It just seems so natural to be part of the cartoon world of Disney. So I thought, okay, I, I thought it's just a matter of time before he ends up selling it. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've thought since 2016 when the price of UFC got to four billion, right? That all of a sudden it's like now we're talking, you know, giant, giant, giant money, and and he could probably get, you know, I mean, he would get much more than that now, as would UFC. But um, 
Yeah, I thought at that point that at some point there would be a sale. And I think a lot of the moves that Nick Khan has made, to me, feel like getting ready for a sale, like really leaning out right, the company right. so the profit margins look better and and um, you know all of that, that, that type of stuff. So I've always thought that that's in the offing at some point anyway. And with Vince out, I think, you know, I think it speeds it up as, as does Wall Street. Two more things to discuss. Vince, we said, would, would, you know, you have to pry WWE from his cold, dead hands or if he has to step back, which he has. Never would have happened if these scandals hadn't come out. But now that they have, we're already seeing some changes in the programming. Obviously, we saw what Triple H did with NXT and his mindset there. What are some of the major changes that you think we'll, we'll, we'll see in WWE uh, in the long term and even now in the short term? I mean, it's going to be... Triple H, Paul, you know, it's going to be his vision. And I don't know him well enough to know his full vision. Obviously, I watched NXT and studied it very hard. But he himself has said what he did in NXT was not necessarily what you would do on the main roster. And, and, and if I was in or you were in that position, if you were going to market a thing as kind of like that niche product to fans like you and me, right. you know, the NXT thing was was really good at that before it got on television. and The whole thing kind of changed. But if you and I were in there and, and we were put in the position, we've got to run WWE. We've got to cast a wider net. I mean, and just like with AEW, you know, you want to, it's like, sure, you know, the you've got that hardcore audience that that really loves your stuff that comes out and, and cheers really, really loud. But in the long run, you want to cast that wider net and get, you know, you more people. Yeah. And, and you have to. And there's no magical way. I mean, like some people go, oh, look at what Vince does. But it's like it's not necessarily, you know, Vince had, has, you know, I mean, as someone who's been on both sides of the fence with AEW and WWE, Vince has giant advantages of being around for, you know, the company being around yeah. since the 50s that Tony doesn't have. It's just it's a catch up game. So that's not to say that, oh, what Vince does is the perfect way to do it. And plus, if you're the competitor to Vince, as we both know, the worst thing to do is copy Vince because then you're just the second rate Vince. You want to have your own thing. Now what, you know, Paul Levesque is going to do, you know, I mean, I think it will be, there will be closer to an NXT, but I don't think it will be exactly NXT. And, um, you know, I mean, that, that there's so many fascinating things about right. this because Agreed. it doesn't just affect that company. It affects every aspect of wrestling. It affects the independence is he going to be quickly trying? Is he going to go in there with the mentality that everyone who's good on the independence, I want to get in early? Or is he going to go, I will get a few independent guys, but I really want my idea. And we don't know. My idea of stars is these big, good looking, you know, uh, college volleyball players and college football players with nice hair. And, and we'll teach them to be wrestlers, which is one of the things that they've tried to do with NXT of late. And it, I, I would suspect you you would want a little bit of both, but it's like, what's he going to do? And then when AEW contracts are right. up, to me, that's the that's the real fascinating thing for you and for everyone there because I mean, you like like you're 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 a unique talent in the sense that when your deal's up, you know, I mean, maybe it's it's I mean, I think it's probably better for you because you know you don't have that stigma. I mean, I don't know that the age you know Vince always had that age stigma. You let Hogan go early, right? Randy Savage go early, Roddy Piper go early. I mean, in, as the years have gone on, I think he's learned from that. But I think that, um, you know, like I said, with you, when your deal's up, you're going to be in a great position because you're Chris Jericho, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of guys. I'm just going to throw out a name, okay? Darby Allen, right. right? Because we all know. Darby Allen is a guy who 
a month ago, if his deal was up and he were to go, Dave, what should I do? It's like, stay with AEW. Do not go there. They will not understand right. you. Uh, you will never get a push there. And you're going to be miserable. Not saying everyone's miserable there, but he, you will be miserable there. Today, I don't know that I say that because the guy, we'll have to wait and see, but he pushed Johnny Gargano, who's not a big yeah. guy at all, in NXT. And will he push, you know, will he start pushing Johnny Gargano on the main roster? Does he bring him back? Will he start recruiting guys that don't have the great physiques that Vince liked and, and put him in the main event spot? If a Brian Danielson or CM Punk sneaks over, will there be that sort of ceiling on them of like, Okay, mm. the the cult people like them, but they still can't be our big Hollywood number one star. He may go in there and go listen to the crowd. The crowd's telling us there'll be the big star. I don't know, or maybe he'll go. You know, I mean, he's still he's still a big big bodybuilder guy himself. You know, in at heart, and maybe he's going to go with that idea that yeah, they can make us they can make us money and they can be on top, but we still have to have that Roman Reigns six foot three, two hundred sixty five chiseled, great hair, good looking movie star guy to be the face of our company, or maybe he'll go, Hey, you know what? I look at the ratings and, and I look at the, whatever, you know, like the sure. fan reaction and I'm just going to go maybe CM Punk's the guy, not that CM Punk's the one guy I don't think will ever be back there, but, but when it comes to guys on the AEW roster, you know, there's going to be stuff. And then, you know, it goes both ways in the sense that, um, you know, he'll have guys that maybe he doesn't like it, that maybe will go to AEW. But it's it changes. I, I just think that, like from an AEW standpoint, I think the whole business for Tony Khan has changed. I think it's it's going to be tougher for him. Not to say that you know it will be that he can't compete or that all the talent's going to want to leave. I don't believe that for a second. But I do think that um, the salary structure of the guys, especially the top guys, I think that the top guys, um, the leverage, you know, because Paul also he wants to show that I can make of course. those deals. You know, like I can bring in that that, you know, make a Cody Rhodes deal, which was like a big one for Vince that, that, you know, he's going to want to show that. I mean, I remember when, uh, years ago when he made the Bruno deal, right. And that was the one where everybody thought, you know, that will never happen. I mean, of all the guys that were around, you know, everybody comes back, Brett, Brett, whatever. Right. And you always go Bill Goldberg, whatever, you know, everyone, they say they're mad, but everyone comes back. And, but, but Bruno was the one who I always thought not a chance, 0% chance. And Vince always thought that too. And Paul came up with, you know, I want to try to get Bruno back. And Vince, Vince like was like, yeah, yeah go, go, good yeah. luck, right? And he made it and he did it. I remember talking to, to Bruno, you know, after I'd heard about the overtures and I was just kind of like, ah, uh -huh, yeah, you think that he's going to, you know, Paul Levesque's going to be able to bring Bruno back. And I talked to, to Bruno right after and he's talking all positive about Paul Levesque. Oh, I like the guy. He was Kowalski guy. And, <laughs> and he's told me about the changes in the company. And I mean, it was a business deal, but he liked Paul and he was, he was at like, he went from like zero to, yeah, if the right business deal, I'll go back. You know, I mean, it was, it was a hard deal to make, but, and, and, and everything, but you know, Paul was, you know, Paul made the deal that nobody thought could ever be made. And I'm sure he's going to want to, you know, continue to do oh, that. Of course. And you don't think he wants to wash away whatever stigma is that NXT, you know, quote unquote failed, right? He's on a mission for that. Absolutely. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, I was writing about that the other day and I mean, that quote of it's, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Right. And when, when they moved to Tuesday, we said like the marathon's over, you guys won. Yeah. And it's like, wow. You know, it's like, it is still a marathon and the marathon is just starting again. And of course, you know, he's going to be stung by losing the first one and that's going to make him even more competitive uh, now that he's got power with 
the you know like with NXT he had only so much backing he still was taping from that yeah you know the the you know the he wasn't taping from an arena with 5000 people or 10000 people you know he had that disadvantage he didn't have all the top talent now he's going to be taping in major arenas with a that big budget and with that huge amount of star power and you know i i wouldn't be surprised if you know you know when some tv deals comes up and it's just like you know, him trying to push the idea of, hey, let's move SmackDown to Wednesdays at from 8 to 10. I mean, that's not happening this year, but, you know, I mean, all of those things are going to be in play. And, and, and it's, you know. it's all in play, too. I mean, because Tony's no pushover either. All depends. Once again, it's going to be very interesting in a year when AEW's contracts come up, if the demos stay the same in the same range. Suddenly, if there's a bigger deal for AEW, then you really have some big time plays coming up. Yeah, that the AEW television deals is, you know, that's the biggest story. Yeah, that and the and the, pers- the prospective WWE sale and the AEW television deal when they come up with the two biggest stories to look for. Now that Vince is out, you know, Vince is, you know, yeah, that's going to determine. They're both going to determine the future of the industry. I mean, you know, when you look at, oh, you know, this they signed this guy or or this guy had a five star match or whatever, you know, or or you know, you're just kicking ass and in. in you know, your uh, pay-per-views are going way, way up. I mean, that's all great stuff, but the big picture is that television deal yeah. and, you know, who buys that. And, and yeah, Tony, you know, Tony's in it for the long haul. And, um, you know, I think people underestimate Tony. I mean, as far as what he's done to build a company to be this competitive, this fast. Y- you know, it's it's really unreal that that he's been able to do that. And I don't think he gets credit the credit he deserves because so much of it, I mean, people go, Oh, you know, rich father and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, Made no difference. I've yeah. seen rich people come and go in this business. I mean, they, you know, they come in and they're gone in six months or even like with Dixie Carter, you know, who, who was there for years and years. And she was never competitive with Vince. Like Tony was Tony had an eye for talent. Tony has, um, that love for wrestling that, um, you know, you can't manufacture and, and, you know, the sleepless nights where you're up all night and your head's buzzing. What if I tweak this? What if I do that? He's that guy. So right. uh, Always. Yes, he, he's going to be no pushover by any means. And that's the thing, too, uh, is to me, you know, talking about, you know, Tony versus Triple H or Triple H versus Vince as well. I know a lot of people are like, oh, okay, Triple H is in charge. So now all those guys would go back or guys would come back. Like to me, the secret why WWE worked was Vince. And he's a once in a, in a, in a lifetime thinker uh, as far as how wrestling is. Now, are all of, his, all of his ideas golden? No, but he's one of the smartest I've ever seen at taking a scenario. I used to say like, okay, let me show him this water bottle. And he looks at it and goes, well, how about if you took the water bottle and moved it a little bit to the left? And you'd be like, Oh my gosh, it's a so much better of a water bottle just by moving it a little bit to the left. I never saw that. Vince is a guy that was a genius amongst all of the geniuses. And now he's gone from WWE. Now you have Triple H, you have Stephanie, you have Khan, but Vince is gone. So there will be a lot of pros to him being gone, if you want to call him that. But there's going to be a lot of cons as well, no pun intended. Uh, I, I, it'd be interesting to see in the long run how Vince not being there really affects that company. Cause another thing is too, Vince has power over everybody with his Jedi mind trick and, and, and aura. I'm not sure Hunter has the same. He wants to have it. He does have it to an extent, but Vince is different level. I mean, you look, you know, that that dynamic better than almost anyone, because you know, right. Worked with both of those guys. So there's, you know, there is that the other thing too, with Vince, obviously is Vince has been in this business since 1969 yes. learned from his father 
And, you know, while the world has changed and the business has changed, the fact is, and you, you know, you can do this with yourself when you come up with ideas. Sometimes, you know, like, let's say you have an idea for yourself and you kind of like, you have your experience from your childhood watching wrestling in Winnipeg and, and all that. And you kind of go like, okay, I remember when I was a kid or even when I was an adult in the nineties or whatever, and they did this, or maybe even they did this in Japan or maybe they did this in Mexico. And this is, this is like, I can incorporate all this, that experience that Vince has is more than all of us. It's more than everyone. I mean, they have to a degree, but he would know from, you know, like, like just all kinds of little things that, that you learn and yeah, like they're his proteges, but he would know so many tricks where you talk about, he just the, knows more. Yeah. You talk about the moving of the bottle and it's just like those little things in an angle, those little things in a, in a shot or a crowd shot or, you know, position yourself here and all that, that he would just know because he knows yeah. and they have to learn. So, I mean, there are little things like that where yeah you know that's that's an interesting one and and then uh, you know i mean the, the other thing too is like we talked about before there is going to come that day where there's some big deal and they got to choose there's some big right. deal and nick says a and stephanie says b it's gonna happen yep. they're not going to agree on everything and like how that settled is going to be a a very interesting um thing and also Maybe Stephanie's ultimate goal is wrestling and, and Paul's ultimate goal is wrestling. I don't know if Nick's ultimate goal is wrestling. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like it's a great stop, but I don't know that he envisioned himself being in this business for, for 40 more years. And maybe he does. I don't know him well enough to <laughs> to know that, you know. But with Paul, you know, I think that he just wants to be in wrestling and he wants to recruit and he wants to build this company. And that is that's his final destination. I don't think Paul wants to be a movie star anymore, you know. Yeah. So these are all new. It's all new dynamics that are going to have to wash out. <laughs> it's a whole new world. It's amazing. Last question for you, though, Dave. What does Vince do now? He doesn't seem the type that's going to, you know, start planting a garden or, you know, go live on the beach, you know, shrimp shrimp fishing or something. What's he going to do? You know, that's a real interesting one. Maybe he can flip the switch and just go. I, you know, I, I'm so rich that. I don't care and I can do whatever I want. I'm just going to go to Europe on Wednesday and rest and I'm going to just lift weights all day, you know, and, and all this, you know, I don't know, but for him, it's the culture shock of all culture shocks. You spend your entire life, you know, pretty much 24 hours a day, rarely sleeping, you know, except for his gym time, you know, it's all devoted to this goal of creative, creating wrestling and running this company. And now you're devoting zero hours pretty much to it. What do you do the rest of your time? And man, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I don't, you know, it's like, he'll have to learn to live with that. I wish I had his money because it would, I would be so happy that it wouldn't, you know, if, yeah, if you know. told me like, I, if I, if I had that money, I'd be, you know, I'd be fine. It's, it's <laughs> interesting too, though, like, but Vince is such a, a passionate, thriving guy who loves the, the art of the, of the confrontation and the creativity is very strange just to think he's just going to be able to shut it off, especially when you know and I know that it wasn't done, you know, uh, by design. He was forced to do it. And I'm just wondering, man, is he going to wither and shrivel away or is he going to come back? Maybe him and Shane will start up some some new company of something, some entertainment company. I mean, he still has his name value pretty much as Vince McMahon. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough because of, of how he went out. 
I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, I, you know, I, I think if that XFL had taken off, he could have at least, yeah. but then, but he probably would have had, to be, well, I, you know, that's a funny one because if he had, the XFL was a separate company, could he, but it, it's, it's water under the bridge. It doesn't matter. The XFL, you know, yeah. he folded the XFL. I think if he hadn't folded the XFL, maybe he would just devote hundred percent of his time to, to football because he didn't, you know, there's no misappropriation of funds there, but maybe he would have to leave there too, just because of the name, right. I don't know. Right. But I know some people have talked about the idea that, like, you know, he'll have a non-compete when he start up something. But I don't, I don't see yeah. him. Plus, it's it's like it's like I don't see it possible. And and the other one is is um, I guess Tony proved that it's possible. But man, going up against WWE and AEW now at the same time and trying to start something, even if you're Vince McMahon, and then having to get new TV deals and and not having all those guys under contract. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, you know, like I don't expect I don't expect him in wrestling, and um, I don't expect him in a major company thing in entertainment either i think that he's out uh, but time time will tell well vince if you're listening you have an open invite to join the jericho appreciation society <laughs> <laughs> dave uh great talking to you as always man and it'll be very interesting to see what happens over the next year or so and i'm sure we'll uh have lots more to talk about for the next time we do this oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna definitely have a lot to talk about over the next two years that's for sure <laughs> thanks man always great talking to you okay bye 